In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello, 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 hello. Welcome to In the Trenches, another live stream episode of In the Trenches. I am Ryan Roxy. And guess what? This is our last show of 2020. This is our Christmas special, our finale show, and I couldn't think of a better way to spend it than with our guest today. Wow. It is, it's always an adventure with our guests. We've never had a guest on three times, and tonight, today, wherever you are in the world, we are doing it for the third time. Um, right off the bat, again, you know what I'm going to say. You know my rap. Uh, if you're new to the show, hit that subscribe button because you want to catch on all our notifications for In the Trenches in the podcast. And if you're in the chat right now on the YouTube Live, look at that. Vic Chalfant has made it very festive over here. You need to see the YouTube official or the Facebook Live. You want to see us in video, especially our guest today. You want to see him in video format. Again, if you're watching or listening to us on the audio formats, which is Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever your favorite audio podcast is, thank you very much for that. But we would like you to go to Ryan Roxy Official on the old YouTube and check out In the Trenches. So here we go, folks. You guys are in the chat. You've been waiting for it all, all, not, not just all week. You've been waiting it for months. You have wanted to see our guest uh, for a third time because the first two times were um, magical. Today, I expect no less, but always, always a little bit Wi-Fi challenged. We're a little bit technically challenged, so bear with us today because all the way from Finland, I'm in Sweden, but we're broadcasting all over the world. Will you please welcome for the third time our very special guest to our Christmas special, Mr. Michael Monroe. Hello, Michael. Hey. Hi, how are you doing? What's going on? It's an honor. It's an honor and a privilege to be here for the third time. First time ever, right? I love it. Third time, <laughs> first time ever. Now, as, as we stated before, when we were doing frantically running around doing our uh, sound check, uh, we're going to have to move a little bit slowly today. Vic might not be able to do all his fancy, fancy overlays and all his production value only because we're still experimenting with our video format and the Wi-Fi. And sometimes if the Wi-Fi is a little funky, everything gets a little slow. But you can hear me. I can hear you, correct? I can hear you. Yeah, should I should I be wearing headphones or nope? You or not? You're dude and mess up that hairdo and mess up the Michael Monroe do. No <laughs> way, man. <laughs> I should. I know. I know a good way to mess it up. Here you go. Hey. Oh, there it is. Our Christmas special is complete. Michael Monroe has uh, put on a Santa's cap. Now, you asked me if I had a Santa's cap, and I know somewhere I do around the apartment, but. Uh, is Christmas a big deal for you, Michael Monroe? Yeah, I've always been a Christmas person. I always loved Christmas, and uh, even living in New York, I had uh, once we were we had a uh, U.S. tour for a month, and then I had 24 hours before we had to continue and go to Japan. I still got a Christmas tree and presents, and had a Christmas, and then the next morning, about 6 a.m., I had to throw the tree out and then <laughs> get ready and go to the airport. <laughs> 
So I'm a Christmas person, yes. <laughs> Very good. That's why we thought you would be the perfect guest for our Christmas special and our year end, folks, because this is the last podcast of the year um, that we're going to be doing. Thank you so much for supporting In the Trenches. And Michael, I have to thank you personally for being on the podcast uh, three different times. And uh, honestly, every single time you come on, it's special. Um, I, you usually show us all your crazy new instruments and stuff like that. I wanted to show you mine. Uh, I just, okay. I just, I just picked this up last week when I was in Los Angeles. Wow. What do you think about that for a Telecaster? Now that's a beauty. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's a beauty, what year, huh? What, what year is that? Well, it's it's a 2020, actually. They just made it for me this year, but they made it look very old, like a, uh, <laughs> this is a replica. Already, yeah, this is a replica of- They already got it beat up. Exactly. Wow. Pretty beat up. This well, is it looks <laughs> authentic and real. Great. It's it's Guess a what? replica of the uh, Andy Summers from the Police, his Telecaster. Oh wow! Yeah. So what do you think? Andy Summers, what a what a player. Talk but, about less is more. I mean, what a stylish player. That's a beauty. I love it. Great. Uh, Speaking of uh, new instruments, hold on a sec. Oh, here we go. It was just a matter of time before Michael dug into his bag of tricks. I got a new sax. He yeah. got a new sax. Yeah, it's a Trevor James. Uh, this is uh, it's got a great sound. It's a, I don't know. Want to play a couple notes for us? It's a beauty. It's got a great sound. It sounds like a like a you know backside of an elephant almost. You know. <laughs> And uh, I got it so I, I got it so uh, inexpensively. I had, it was actually it had a little flaw. It's slightly curved, but you, it doesn't affect the sound at all. That you know, it's just, just ever so slightly curved, and it would normally be about three grand. I got it for five hundred euros. If anything, it makes it sound better. I think the the actual any sort of flaw in that saxophone would make it sound more authentic and more actually more Michael Monroe. Uh, well, there you That's go. Right. Von Black has just. Time, there you go. And last time I forgot, I was gonna, I was uh, looking for a, an ex, an instrument I wanted to show you, which was the nose flute. Check it out, <laughs> the nose flute. There's a nose flute. I haven't heard. You blow it with your nose and you adjust the pitch with your mouth. Holy crap. I love that. Something? Yeah. And where did you get that? I got it in a music store. I said, what's that? And they said, it's a nose flute. Uh, and I said, well, let me try it. And uh, I, tried, I I use it on every every record we've made. I, I use it on some little bit like on a One Man Gang. It's in... Uh, uh, low life in high places has a little bit of that, and uh, always it's a cool effect. Uh, the horns and halos album when Dragon is going, I'm going. And there it is. There's a there's 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 a mixture of sounds and uh, just to, to make a unique sound. So uh, that's a really. Um, Michael, nobody, not many people know about this, but you, they that know about everything. Every time you come on the show, you give us an exclusive, and honestly. Michael Monroe, you need your own signature series nose flute, you know? And I think we actually... Well, I could start with... Yeah. I could start with the harmonica. I mean, they have... I got... Uh, 
uh, a long time ago. Motorhead, you know, Motorhead had their own own harps, and I let me and uh, and Phil Campbell gave me this Motorhead harp. Okay, has, look at that. That's a great one. That's a great. That, yeah, so that was a custom Motorhead. But I'm not. See, I haven't heard that much harmonica on Motorhead albums. Is there a lot of? Well, they had, they had the uh, Horrorhouse Blues. That's the only one where, Lemmy was playing a little harp. Okay. You know that song, Horrorhouse Blues. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's the only song he really played harp. But uh, we were supposed to, uh, when they played their last show in Finland, not long before Lemmy passed away. I was gonna play. Harp on <laughs> Phil Campbell wanted me to play harp on uh, uh, no class, and uh, we were backstage, we practiced and everything. And I, I said, Well, you guys, you you tune down like you know, uh, half step. Uh, uh, yeah, half a step to like C sharp. So he said, Oh, yeah, yeah, but uh, let me set harps in every key. I said, Really? Because I had a uh, it would be a D flat harp that I would use for a flat song. So I said, Oh, yeah, so. I don't, I, you know, I couldn't tell. I didn't have absolute hearing, so I, they gave me a harp, which I, which is one of those old honed ones. It didn't have the key written on it, so I, I assumed there was a, you know, a, a, a D flat. And then we practiced it, and I even have it on video when we rehearsed it backstage with an acoustic guitar, which was tuned to a regular, regular tuning because they do the whorehouse blues in regular tuning. So, <laughs> so I hit the stage, and I'm like, oh my god. They played, it was like, I was half a step up and I was like, there's no way you could play anything that way. And it was Hartwell Arena, you know, 50,000 people. I've never been so mortified in my entire life. I, I, but actually I went off, I went to the side and I tried on the A harp. I had, a, I had an A and a D harp in my bag and I was going through my harp. So I was, oh, the A harp, I could play a little bit of something because it was too late to back down, right. to back off anymore. People had seen me already. So I got, I got back on the stage and I played something suckiest harp playing I've ever played. <laughs> and I was, I was going to Phil. I said, Phil, you can't. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He's, he's always uh, always apologizing to me about that. Because, uh, you know, I I didn't realize. I would have had a you know, D-flat harp. But it was the worst harp I ever played live. But uh, I, Michael, I should, uh, do, you, do you know what you could have used right there at that moment, Michael? You could have used... The nose flute. The nose flute. That would have been perfect. Yeah. You would have just taken out <laughs> well, the nose. I did that, actually... I've already done that with the with the Foo Fighters. Uh, really? The Foo Fighters asked me, to, yeah, to jam with them in um, the not last summer, the summer before they were in, in uh, Helsinki, and uh, uh, Dave Grohl asked me to come up to play um, jam. I, I, they asked me up for actually four times to play uh, in the middle section of Pretender. I played some, I jammed some harp, and uh, and also uh, the uh, uh, they played Miss You by uh, stones? uh the stones yeah i played some of that and uh yeah that would be perfect with the nose flute huh and then well not really but what would happen then they have that song <laughs> the best of me you know that song yes the best the best and i remember before i left i went to the show i i, I mean, before i left my house i was going through the song the songs just in case uh they would want to want me because i was i knew i was going to meet them and uh uh, you know, I was hanging with Chris Sheffield earlier and uh, we did a podcast and everything. And I thought just in case they would ask me to play, I, I took all my harps with me and I checked their songs and they, most of them are in A and D. So they would be like, you know, uh, uh, e, A and D harps would be sufficient. But then there was one song and I think it was, yeah, it was the best of me that went like, it was like C sharp or something. So I needed a, 
or different harp. Then it was F sharp, I didn't know, C sharp harp, whatever it was. I had the right harp in the hotel room with me because I thought in case, you know, and then when I left for the show, I said, they're not going to ask me to play much. I mean, even even they were going to ask me that most of the songs are A or D. So I didn't, I, I left that one harp at, at, the, at the hotel room. And boy, did I regret it because they, <laughs> they asked me to play on that song. That was the one so harp you needed. That was the harp you needed. Yeah, that was the harp I needed. So I was like, I left it at the hotel. I was like, God. But then I had a, I think I had an E harp or a, a, one of the other harps worked okay, but I couldn't really wail on it. So then I pulled out the nose flute. And, went, <laughs> and, and Dave Grohl was like, what the fuck was that? And I was like, it's a nose flute. So the next morning I went to the hotel to say goodbye. I mean, we finished the show with, uh, with uh, Let There Be Rock. ACDC, and that was that was a great jam. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it was a great night. I had a great time, but uh, I couldn't really wail on uh, the best of me because I didn't have the right heart. But I still did okay. But I used the nose flute to make up for it. And then the next morning, as as we were they were leaving the hotel, I went to went to see them and say goodbye. I uh, I gave them each uh, as a present. I gave them all nose flutes each. Really? And it's really hard. And it's really hard to you know it's it's pretty hard to learn to you know when you blow with your nose and you adjust the pitch so. But Dave Grohl learned it right away. Right away. Well, he's, look, he plays drums. Like, wow. He plays drums. He sings. He plays guitar. You know. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be great with the nose. Yeah. Thing. Right. Yeah. So, so uh, they're they're such a great band. I'm so glad that they're as big as they are because they're keeping rock and roll alive and uh, helping us. You know. Real musicians, uh, you know, stay in business, and um, they're really, really cool. So that was a great night, but yeah, it was funny. I gave them all their nose splits, and they, they all, everyone else is going, like, oh, how's it work? And I said, well, Dave will teach you all, because he learned it right away. Well, hold on, because because we now have a nose flute, um, you know, sort of concept going and you are going to get your own signature series nose flute. Uh, thanks to Von Black again for that contribution because he just contributed some money to give us your down payment on your new uh, nose flute empire. And he was asking, really? yeah, he did. Um, I'm not sure if we can get his uh, comment back up there, Vic, if you can, but uh, he basically, he must know you because he's calling you Mikey. Hope you and yours have a wonderful holiday. And I, he wants to know if you can share any funny stories about our dear friend, Steve Baders. Steve so, Baders. Yeah. Yeah. So I know, I know well, shifting from shifting from Foo Fighters to Steve Baders might be a little bit different, but do you have any nose flute stories about Steve Baders? I didn't, I didn't know nose flute when I lived with Steve. <laughs> I didn't know the nose flute yet. Uh, he loved Christmas. I remember the first Christmas after Razzle had died, he, he, uh, sent me a, he gave me a Christmas card that said, if a star should doubt, it would immediately go out and uh, don't uh, carry on and, and have a white Christmas, white underlined. Uh, but uh, I mean, did I tell you, I mean, I didn't tell you, did I tell you a story about Steve when he died? No, no, I no. Mean, he, he died on stage and he came back to life what? You know, by accident. He, he used to hang himself, you know, as part of his stage act. He was, it was this little guy who was really light and, uh, when he uh, he would climb up the lighting rig and put the mic cord around his neck and hanging there, he would be holding himself up. But uh, for a while, he would like be hanging there for look like he was hanging. And he one night his hand was a bit sweaty. This was the Lords of a New Church gig. It wasn't the Dead Boys, but it was the Lords of a New Church. And uh, the roadie noticed 
that he was like turning blue and there was piss pouring down his leg. It was like something's not right. No. They took him down and he was clinically dead for, for quite a while. They, they took him, they brought him back to life. They uh, took him to the hospital and, uh, and he was, he actually survived. But uh, I mean, once you died on stage, so, sounds a little that? like a Hollywood vampire, if you ask me. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Well, you know, uh, Alice has the guillotine and he hangs himself and stuff. But Steve, Steve actually, did, actually it did it. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. And the only regret he had was like they didn't even tell they didn't tell him until uh, uh, a week or two later because they they were kind of concerned about his reaction. And his first reaction was like, "Oh man, I can't remember anything." He wanted to remember the the out of body experience. Yeah, that was so the only he... regret. That was his only regret. <laughs> so, so there's a stiff story for you. So 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 you guys were roommates for how long did you guys live together? We lived together. Uh, I I was taking care of his cat when he was uh, in London when Hanoi was breaking up in 1985. Oh. I was taking care. I was feeding his cat Ziggy for. Uh, for you know that spring when he when Steve was on the road and then we figured we might as well move in together and uh you know save share the rent and everything so we lived together that uh about a half a year nice and then and Johnny Thunders moved in too for a while so oh my god that that's a that's a whole movie ready to be written <laughs> Johnny Thunders <laughs> Steve Bader's and Michael Monroe and a cat named Ziggy that's right that's right Yeah. <laughs> Ziggy was a cat. <laughs> Ziggy was a great cat. Oh yeah. man. It was great. It was a great cat. Uh yeah, so there, there was never a dull moment, you know. I can imagine. I had to hide the speed from uh from uh Johnny cuz he would do it was like the more I see the more I do. It's just like he would come out of a bathroom and say like this. He would go <laughs> putting his sleeve down. Michael do you have any more? I just dropped the gram in the toilet. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, man. It was amazing. But, what, know, I think it would have been a household of do as I say, not as I do. That would have been a very good household to have that saying and do as I say, not as I do. Well, yeah, yeah. The more I see, the more I do. <laughs> oh, that's a worse one. <laughs> yeah, but the thing was, I mean, we had, uh, speaking of Christmas songs, I mean, Hanoi Rocks had that song, Dead by Christmas, which is kind of, we wrote that in uh, was eighty two, I think. Yeah, in Stockholm, and we were, you know, me and Andy were, you know, kind of hitting it hard, keyed up, yeah, hitting it hard, you know. And uh, uh, the song is actually inspired by the Sparks. So my favorites, you know, you know the Sparks. Of course, the Sparks, um, a duo. Yeah. They were this time a duo. Picking up for the both of us. Yes. Very yeah. Uh, in the propaganda, Kim on my house, and propaganda albums, and uh, and the indiscreet. Those are the best ones in the seventies. So they had a song called "Here in Heaven," which was about the guy being dead already on the edge of a edge of a cloud, and it's like uh, the lyrics are uh, here. There are lots of things to do, and a panoramic view of the universe completely surrounding. And here, uh, hang on, you cannot buy souvenirs. Uh, here are many, many sheep, and people only sleep and awake to tell how gory and gruesome was their end. And I don't have many friends. Juliet, you broke a little pack. Juliet, I'm never coming back. Up here in heaven without you. 
up here in heaven without you, it is hell knowing that your health will keep you out of here for many, many years. And so the idea was like, wait a second, hold on, hold on, Michael. That's Michael Monroe, folks. Just for the people that are just tuning in right, right now, that's Michael Monroe reciting the sparks from pure memory. There's no notes there. I know that it's just that it's, it's all that memory, that, that backdoor snaps memory going on. I, this is what I love about having Michael Monroe on the podcast at that. Every time I think I have a script or I think I have a direction, I might as well just throw my script out the door because Michael is so much more entertaining when you just let him go and, and you let him hear these <laughs> stories. And because honestly, folks, you are covering so many of the questions that people have asked. And and I have a whole segment that I was going to start this podcast with Let the People Speak. We even have an intro for that. I'm not sure. If- See, we have a whole section for Let the People Speak. But the point is, you're speaking, Michael, and you're speaking for the people. So I'm going to get into questions from people, but at the same time, anytime you want to tell these gems, these, you know, diamonds in the rough stories, please go off and tell these stories because honestly, folks, having you on the podcast is always a treat and I really appreciate it. you got the fastest no, brain on the great. planet. Well, as I was saying, the concept for the song Dead by Christmas was from the Spark, the Spark song Up Here in Heaven. Yeah. Up here and have a weather too, you know. Juliet, we, uh, we brought you broke our little packs. Juliet, I'm never coming back. Up here in heaven without you. They're a hilarious band. The lyrics are geniusly crazy. But so we came up with the song Dead by Christmas. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I'll be dead by Christmas now anyway. Uh, tell me, will you remember me that day when you found a new one that was better than I ever was? I'll be dead by Christmas now anyway. Be, please give all my things away. They'll make great Christmas presents for you and all my friends. Yeah, it hurts so inside to see you with another uh, or from the edge of a cloud. Whatever happened to the promises that we made when the, before the angels took me away. So here I'm all dressed in white while you're drinking up my best red wine and you don't realize that I'm with you all the time. So that was the whole, it was an eerie, eerie idea, of course, the song. But, uh, and then the last chorus goes, I'll be in dead by, I've been dead since Christmas now anyway, so leave flowers, leave the flowers on my grave. The sure way you can join me any day around, honey. And you will be dead by Christmas now anyway. You lay beside me in our family grave and, and we'll be making love eternally in a, uh, in a spiritual way. We'll be dead by Christmas now anyway. We'll sell everything away. We've got a life to live, a life after death. Anyway, so that was the, the annual Christmas song. And we, we, we were planning to make a single out of it and have a cover of a burning Christmas tree and a red cocaine mirror with the cocaine lines writing written dead by christmas with, with lines of coke that would be, fitting. That would be very fitting but, yeah it's until uh we were rehearsing the song and uh, we had two roadies at the time and the, the finnish guys and we were in stockholm and the other roadie came in and said that the, the other roadie had been staying up for three nights and uh he hung himself so mm. then it wasn't that much fun anymore so not it, so much you know, fun. no 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 the, yeah the, so the, the, the we whole... came up with the idea wow of, uh, but, but the year that song was but Michael, the song the year- was actually go ahead. What that go song ahead. was can uh, it was uh, banned on the college radio in the states because I guess because of the suicide. Uh, some you know I guess they thought that it would uh, inspire some kids to do something stupid like suicide or something. I don't know. <laughs> it was banned on the college radio. 
However, typical of Hanoi. Yeah, but this is what I want to talk about, Michael. This is exactly the era. You know what's great is that I was going to start the show off with Let the People Speak and then go to the thing called the main event, which is what we were going to talk about. But you mentioned the year 1982. You mentioned the song Dead by Christmas. And if I'm not mistaken... That year, 1982, that was right around the era of the album Oriental Beat. And yes. that is a very important segment in today's podcast, folks. Again, if you're not uh, listening to us or watching us on the YouTube official channel, please go to Ryan Roxy Official, hit that subscribe button. But we can go back to that album cover one more time because the year is 1982. It is, uh, the album is Oriental Beat. You guys, the this breaks you, this album breaks you into an international market. And apparently uh, the working title for that album, second attempt for suicide. Am I right? Did that uh, have anything to do know, with dead by off. Christmas? You're kind of cutting off now. I can't hear. Oh, can you come again? Okay. Apparently that album, uh, Oriental beat, the working title of it was called second attempt for two for suicide. Am I right? Well, I still couldn't hear you, but I can tell you the story. (laughs) Please do. Tell me the story. You're cutting off for some reason. I don't know. But, uh, hey, Kyler, is Kyler saying hello? Hello, Kyler. Kyler is saying hello for you and for the coop. Anyways, uh, Ryan, uh, all I can hear is, you know, it's cutting off now for some reason. Can you hear me, Vic? If you can give me a thumbs up. Okay, Vic Vic can hear me. Yeah, I can hear you fine. Okay. So the story about Oriental Beat, the album was recorded in, in the end of 81 and uh, 82. It was released in 1982 and it was mixed like like shit. It was like the producer, I don't know what he was thinking, but it was really poorly mixed. And uh, we we had some uh, rough mixes on, on a cassette and uh, then uh, we thought it was going to be fine. But then it came out and we, were, we heard it for the first time. It was already pressed onto vinyl. Some hotel room somewhere, our manager brought a record player, a turntable, and played it. So I was like, well, I guess we couldn't change it anymore. It was, but it sounded horrible. And it, it really had some great songs. And when Guns N' Roses wanted to release our, our uh, European catalog on their Uzi Suicide label in, 19, in the 1990 or 1991, we, we thought we wanted to remix the album. But it, it turned out that the, the finish, the, the the owner of the Finnish label, Johanna Records, that released our stuff in Finland, had taken their multi-track tapes and sent them to Germany to be mixed by some producer. And the producer had disappeared and the, and the tapes had disappeared. So we thought that they were lost. Lost for but You I thought they were looking, lost forever, right? Yes. Yes. We thought, we thought that they were lost. And uh, they were... Uh, I, I started tracking them down now because of the corona situation and everything. I'm looking back at what I could, you know, what could be done. Some old records could be remixed and stuff. So I, I started tracking them down and I found out that uh, the Johanna record stuff that was owned by Universal in Finland. Uh, so I got in touch with the head of Universal. And I said, can you check in your warehouse where you have the Hanoi material that if there's a, if there are multi-track tapes of Hanoi Rocks Oriental Beat and if it says... Uh, if it says Advision Studios London on the tapes, then they're the correct tapes, and they were them, they were the tapes. So I was like, "Wow, we can we can remix the album." So we started to started the process of mixing. We're doing it as we speak, so it'll be released next year, uh, finally with a proper sound, and it already sounds like night and day. I mean, it's such a huge difference. 
So uh, I'm really excited about that. So that's the big news that's coming out of today's In the Trenches is that the second Hanoi Rocks record, Oriental Beat, is being the missing tapes that were thought to have gone missing forever have been found, and the album is being remixed as we speak. Look for a 2021 release. There's a couple things about that album, Michael, that I wanted to ask you about. A couple cool little quirks that maybe um, even Hanoi Rocks uh Hardcore fans might not know uh, that yeah. album featured a different drummer. Am I correct? Gyps, Gyp Casino. Gyp Casino. Yeah, the Gyp Casino was the original drummer who was the Swedish guy who plays on the first album, uh, Bangkok Shock, Saigon Shakes, Hanoi Rocks, and on Oriental Beat. And he actually plays on Self Destruction Blues as well. Even though Razzle is on the cover of Self Destruction Blues, Gyp plays on that record too. So he was the drummer. Uh, and I got to straighten something out. I noticed I, w I was looking for information because I was surprised to see that Oriental Beat never had any information about the band. It doesn't even have the players listed. It's, it just has, it just says Hanoi Rocks Oriental Beat. And in the back cover, it says the names of the songs. That's the and, back yeah, cover right there. That see, the back cover only has the names of the songs and the tacky picture of Andy's girlfriend's tits. And, and, <laughs> Look at on the upper left corner. You can see the blue paint hasn't quite covered her armpit. Oh my God! So, so it's really tacky. And now horrible. was that supposed that to be? Was, was that supposed that to be the uh, first album? Was that supposed to be the the original album cover? No, that was actually we had an idea. We were going to have a greatest hits come, uh, um, a greatest hits album called the Greatest Tits, and that was the that was going to be <laughs> perfect. But uh, that would never happened, and uh, Andy's idea was to paint his girlfriend, you know, like that. And but it was so tacky because you can see that <laughs> little paint is missing from that. They missed it's the spot right here, right here. Yeah, right here. and the front cover is like this, this, this kind of shroud, kind of like a you know, like a net. Uh, uh, through which my head is my head is through the, through the thing. It's like a stocking or kind of material. And our manager's hands, our manager Zeppo, put his pants in the paint and has all these hands uh, hand marks on it. And it's, let's go uh, back to that original it, cover. It's so bad, it's good. Yeah, let's let's. I mean, it's no, horrible. it's a it's a, horrible it's a classic album cover, and obviously you were pressed against the glass because I believe is that is that Annie McCoy whose lips he either looks like he has a massive collagen injections or he's putting his face against the glass. <laughs> yeah, no, he's putting his face against the shroud. It's like a you know, it's 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 like you know what what stockings are made of. You know, it's like a little I don't know where where they got that. It's like a net. Okay. You know. And my head is through the net, and everyone else is behind it. Like Sammy looks like a, like a, you know, like a burglar with his nose like that. <laughs> <laughs> so and Andy's lips are, look, you know, against the net. That's why everyone looks so funny. And Jip Casino's nose is like that, you know, because he's against the net. But my head and my arm are through the net, and my manager put his handprints on the on the nets. Uh, his artistic vision. <laughs> Now, is it true or not that that Jip Casino missed a beat during motivating, and you know that had might have had something to do with his eventual not being in the band, or is no, nothing about no, that that's, folklore. No, this is the first time. This is the first time I hear that. But I gotta say, I gotta straighten something out. Okay, I went I went looking for you know uh, information about the album and the internet, and it says. It says, completely untrue, uh, it says that Jeep Casino had a heroin habit. 
and he was fired from the band because of that and it's completely untrue jim Not casino sure. never had a heroin habit i don't think he ever even tried heroin it was the only guy in the band that never went through heroin so it says in the internet i must this must be corrected that's fiction yeah. right there it's fact just, or know, fiction <laughs> Yeah, this is complete fiction. I don't know who came up with it. It even said that Jip was fired from the band because of his heroin habit. It's complete bullshit. He was never, he never even tried. I'm, I don't know if you ever even tried it. He never did heroin. He's the only one in the band who did not do heroin. <laughs> <laughs> so it's crazy how the internet comes up with this stuff. Well, uh, I even saw this video. It says the tragic history of Hanoi Rocks. And it says, yeah, Mr. Casino was uh, fired from the band because of his heroin habit. It's like, what? No. Crazy. It's not true. Folks, never did heroin, just for the record. You know? There's a lot of Hanoi Rocks fans out there who's ever uh, keen to Wikipedia. I think you got to change it. You got to go on Wikipedia and change it under the uh, Oriental beat. And make sure you add the bombshell that we've just said. The missing tapes have been found. They're being remixed right now. One other thing about that album I want to bring up, and you can tell me whether it's fact or fiction. Uh, not. Katrina from the band Katrina and the Waves is rumored to have sang background vocals on the song Don't Follow Me. Is that true, fact, or fiction? That is absolutely correct. That is fact. true. It's a fact. <laughs> it is a fact, yes. <laughs> Katrina, she sings wonderfully, too. She sings, I've been, I've been mixing that song, too, now. It's like you can really hear her. She's singing great. She was a great, great girl. We had a great time. We were... We did the vocals. She was, she did her parts, and she sang beautiful harmonies. That was before she had the big hit, uh, "Walking on Sunshine." Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Walking on Sunshine. That was a huge hit for her. She probably still. Yeah. She probably still enjoys Christmas every single year because of it. Right. Yeah. Uh, God bless you, Christina. Wherever you are, all our love and uh, yes, she still sounds amazing on that record. And uh, it was great to have her. That was before she was well known and uh, she was a nice i remember we sat around we did the did the work and then we sat around had some beers some, some splits and we had a good chat and uh did she do the splits too or did you teach her the splits no i meant the spliff oh the spliff. i thought it was the splits because i know that you're one of the only front men that can do the splits you and eric dover and james brown of course now did you get the splits from from james brown no, I just I just noticed one time that there was a time when uh, I don't know when it was. Yeah, well, in 1984 or something when I started exercising and you know doing this martial arts kind of warm up and stuff. And then I realized I can do the splits, and I thought, wow, that'd be a nice addition to my show. So I wasn't really, I didn't really combine, I didn't really uh, come up with the splits. I didn't copy that from anybody. Surprisingly, <laughs> I thought if I could do. But didn't David Lee, I think David Lee Roth did some splits, though. Didn't he do the splits, too? Well, I, back in those days, it was you. David Lee Roth was very flexible, as well as the artist formerly known as Prince, and obviously oh, yeah. always known Prince as Prince. Did yeah. Prince, Prince did the splits, yeah. But he got he's, he got his moves, a lot of his moves from uh, from uh, James Brown, James obviously. James Brown as well, yeah. No that doubt. whole bit. So he was like a mixture of James Brown, Little Richard, and and Jimi Hendrix, in a great way. Well, folks, there you yeah. have it. That's one of our again one of our many exclusive uh, sound bites is that Oriental Beat uh, is coming out soon with the new remixes. And Katrina from Katrina and the Waves has sang backgrounds, and her newly mixed voice will come on as well. So yes, yeah, so and we sat around, we talked, and we had a couple of beers and some spliff. 
Spliff. With her. That was <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. And that just, we didn't do I didn't do the splits then yet at that time. <laughs> anyway, what are, what are your favorite Christmas songs? My favorite Christmas songs. Um, I I, I love Rudolph. You know, right. You know, I love Rudolph, and then um, I you know you Rudolph run. Oh, Rudolph! You know what? You know who does that? Alice Cooper, every single year at the Christmas pudding duns, run Rudolph, run or whatever that song is, and we never play yeah. it right. How do you play that song right? That's a Chuck Berry song, correct? There's, there's no wrong or right. It's rock and roll. You play it the way you feel it. <laughs> uh, Chuck Berry. I mean, did you hear Cheap Tricks version of that? I have not heard they Cheap Tricks. Cheap Trick made a Christmas album last year. It came out last year. I think it was last year. They made a great version of Run, Rudolph, Run. And uh, and I actually jammed some heart. Uh, they were opening up for Def Leppard last Christmas, uh, just before Christmas in London uh, at the, uh, the, uh, the venue. Uh, yeah, no, there was uh, the Wembley. The, was it Wembley? One, one, yeah. one of the Wembley, the small, I think it was the, the stadium. Uh, it was like... 50,000 people. I think it was the, the small, the indoors. Yeah, yeah. Wembley. Uh, so they were opening up for, they had a tour, a little tour with uh, Def Leppard. Def Leppard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, I was, I went up to play some harp on uh, Run, Rudolph, Run. That's awesome. They, they invited me up. That was a nice feather in my cap. Always a feather in your cap when you get to play with uh, Cheap Trick. And of course, we're both big fans of them as well. Um uh-oh, here comes the guitar. What's he, what, 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 what sort of Christmas classic are you going to grace us with right now, Michael Monroe? Are you hanging up the stocking on the wall? my favorite what <laughs> who is that that's a, such an amazing it's, it's like an, it reminds me of an 80s version what band was that, that did that this is the slade that slade. was slade okay man all right 70s i'm sorry slade, merry christmas everybody yeah yeah fucking great version it's dude biggest, it's like the biggest uh christmas song every year it goes up in the charts i think uh, those guys are made for life i mean the jimmy lee and nutty holder wrote it Actually, one of the greatest, my, my one of my favorites, and uh, also I don't know if I told you last time we did me and uh, Sara Alto, the Finnish singer who was in uh, in the UK X Factors a few years ago, and she really made a name for herself in this and in the UK. And uh, she had a she made a Christmas album last year, and she asked me she wanted to do the Fairy Tale of New York. That's right. The Pope's Kirsty McCall. So. Uh, and it's a quite, a quite a tall order, you know. You don't. It's the kind of song you don't mess with, and it's, it's kind of holy. Yeah, sacred. it's one of those holy Christmas songs. But uh, originally done. Uh, now tell us the whole history of that, and what and what led you to cover that song. Well, it was originally by the Pogues and Kirsty McCall, 
and it's like the biggest song in Ireland and, and the UK. And it's, it's about a Irish couple who moved to Manhattan and then they kind of, they have dreams and, and, uh, and then they kind of dreams get shattered then they get, they start getting high and drinking and they start fighting and stuff. And that's, it's, it's a really cool story. So, uh, Sarah asked me it's to very Irish. And, I'll tell, I'll give you that. It's very Irish. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, uh, and it's, it's the kind of song you don't mess with unless you really make it authentic and add something to it. So, Sada wanted to do it on her her Christmas album last year, and uh, I said, "Well, you really want to do that song? I mean, I don't mind. I don't mind you calling me cheap, lousy faggot, but <laughs> I had to call you. Uh, you're an old slut on junk, you know, <laughs> lying there almost dead and dripping that bed. Uh, but uh, I said, "Yeah, let's do it with a sense of humor." And I, I did. I did the saxophone. Drunk tank. Well, there it is. There's a little clip of it right now. Vic just put it out. Okay. Won't see another one And then he sang a song The rare old mountain dew So hold on now, folks. We're, we're, we're not going to disparage the song because I want you guys to listen to it in its full good audio format. So someone there in the chat, if you can, please put the proper link to that song out so everyone else can enjoy it after the podcast is over because we are live streaming right now within the trenches it's our christmas special and of course our special guest couldn't be any more special than having michael monroe on the show telling his story right now we're going through the fairy tale of new york that is uh michael monroe and sarah also and um so again i mean so many stories that I want to get to. There's one thing, one something new that I want. Before I get into let the people speak, there's a new segment that I have to give credit to. Hold on. It's, I, I, right? I don't get his name right. It's Stanley Gable. He came on, uh, he suggested a new segment for the In the Trenches podcast. And I want to call it The One That Got Away. All right. He suggested calling it The One That Got Away. And basically, I want to hear about a piece of gear that you wish you still had. And how did you lose it? Why did you sell it? Or have you kept on a hold of every single amazing piece of gear that you've ever had? Or which is the one that got away? You asking me? Yes. Okay. My saxophone in uh, 80, I think it was 84 on tour. I had, I had, um, a great, great Selmer saxophone from the alto. I used to play alto sax in the fifth uh, from the from the 50s. I had this great alto Selmer from the 50s, which is irreplaceable. And yeah, that's not the one on the on the picture, but because that's uh, a baritone that's sax right there. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> yeah, that's my. <laughs> that's a nice one though too. That's that's a stag. That's a stag. S t a e g g. That's the one I have nowadays. I had you know this great Selmer sax and uh, I, I used to keep it with me after shows with Hanoi. I always kept it with me. I took it to my hotel room so it wouldn't get stolen. We were doing a show, I think it was Manchester or in the UK. And we were warned about that place that, you know, watch out for the, you know, the gear, the roadies were told that, you know, it's a place where people can rip people the stuff off. And I thought every time after shows, they would pack the guitars and stuff. So I thought that, you know, I said, what if I leave my sax with you guys? It's safe. And the road is, yeah, yeah, it's cool. I said, okay, I'm leaving it right here next to this couch here on the backstage. Make sure you bring it with you. I said, yeah, yeah, Michael, no problem. 
and they were maybe had a couple of beers or splits or whatever. They they forgot about it. And uh, one of the roadies woke woke me up at 3 a.m. and said, "Michael, you you took your sex, didn't you?" I said, "No, no fucking, I was I could not believe." Uh, somebody had ripped it off. And that and, was and the that I, saxophone. That was the saxophone that had appeared on all the albums up until that point. Well, no, as, as a matter of fact, no. There was a, there was a, if you want to call it silver lining, I went to look for another alto. Because up until then, I'd been playing the alto. And then I went to, in London, I went to the Lewington um, saxophone store. And they said, uh, I, I went through all the altos they had and not, nothing was as good as that. And then the guy said, I got something special for you. I have this, have you played tenor? I says, no. Well, you want to try it? I might, yeah, I'm open to try it. And then he had this beautiful Selmer tenor from 1939, which was uh, impeccable. It was in mint condition because it had been used in a Beatles movie as a, as a prop. Wow. So it hadn't been used for years and years. So, and I tried it. I was like, wow, the tenor is the sound. That tenor is really what, you know, the little Richard records and all the, you know, that's, that's really the rock and roll sax. So that, led to me starting to play the the tenor and that's the tenor i played on you know all the i mean up until then an oriental beat i played with the alto that got stolen gotcha. but from uh on two steps on the move uh the million miles away so on that that's played with that tenor and i still have that tenor it was silver uh tenor from 1939 and the serial numbers even not something like twenty two thousand. it's really rare wow. that's totally replaceable so i don't even take that on the road it's, it's in my house i still have it here <laughs> i apologize so, uh, for calling that saxophone that was in the picture that vic showed a baritone i i, I it what i meant tenor because you have switched from alto to tenor baritone's yeah. a much bigger bigger saxophone a much lower baritone saxophone is huge i have one here but I don't want to dig it out now. Don't dig it out. Don't <laughs> dig it huge. out. It looks cool. Yeah, it looks really cool. If you have, uh, well, I think the ZZ Top they learned they learned to play the sax for the Dequeo album, and they all one of them played the alto, one of them played the tenor, and one of played the baritone, I think, and they were the long wolf horns. They played on one song. Yeah, I know that album. <laughs> I love it. Well, that's actually that song was not on that album. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to call me out on that. I was going to say, "Shit, yeah, you know what?" I, 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 I go. I don't think that song is on that, that album. Was Lagrange. And then, yeah. yeah, that was Lagrange, and that was the whole album. And I, and I like, is Michael going to save me, or is he going to throw me under the bus? And he threw me under the bus. But Michael, well, we got to stick to the facts. De Cuello, De Cuello, De Cuello. However, you, how you pronounce that? De Cuello, De Cuello. I don't know. All oh, I know is that I played Lagrange uh, in Hawaii. I played bass on it, and apparently, according to my wife, I was a very sexy bass player. So Chuck Garrick, you just each and Stiv and uh, wait, wait, and everybody else, I play sexy bass once in a while. Just so you know. But hold on, okay. we're gonna. I'm sit. sure all of us will sleep. Uh, we'll sleep better knowing that. Oh my god, that's sure. a little sarcasm coming from Michael Monroe. I love it. I love it. <laughs> hold on, Michael Monroe. We are going to take a quick commercial break. I know we have to do this once in a while for, but this okay. is for all a good cause. We are here with Michael Monroe, our special uh, guest on our Christmas special for In the Trenches, and. 
while you guys are uh, celebrating the holiday season, we also want you to start your guitar journey. Be inspired by the musicians that have been on our 55 plus podcasts. Of course, mostly be inspired by Michael Monroe today. But check out this video because we are in the middle of our System 12 12 week challenge. And we will have one of our uh, team members. It's uh, Dave Rattenberry. You guys know him as the rat. We are going to go a quick, quick 60 second little thing and then you guys can watch it be inspired by it maybe start playing guitar and then we're going to come back with a little bit more of michael monroe and the whole segment of let the people speak but uh vic are you ready to hit that commercial because when you're ready hit it please hey guys dave here from the system 12 week challenge and this is your goals for lesson four now the goals for this lesson are to learn what sharps and flats are and to get a really classic riff under your belt. It's called the Peter Gunn theme, but you might know it as the Blues Brothers. Please remember that now we're learning the notes that come in between the Magnificent Seven, they're just as important. Exercises one and two will really help solidify this for you. Now for extra credit, why not try playing the Peter Gunn theme with different fingers? It's gonna feel a bit awkward at first, but it'll really pay off especially if you practice. We think you should spend 12 to 15 minutes each time. Your practice focus is to make sure you can say all the notes out loud on the E and the A string, go over the Peter Gunn riff, and then revisit Wild Thing using the E and the A strings for a more economical way of playing. Good luck, and we'll see you next time for lesson five. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you very much, Dave the Rat. There he is. Now, I mentioned... Dave the, the Rat. Yeah. Wow. What about this? Peter well, Gunn theme. If you had your saxophone... Rat's ass. What? <laughs> your saxophone. <laughs> That's close. No, I, I am tuned down and awesome. And you know what? Your pitch, does it ever bother you that you have like such perfect pitch? Because when you sing, I notice you're never really sharp or never really flat. You're right on. So you you have to pick Thank up. Thank you. Yeah, you're right on, dude. And, and that's live, too. I was too. born, I got, come from a musical family. And, uh, you know, like I've already told you, my grandfather was a cello player. And his, his father was an oboe player in the symphony orchestra. And uh, my mother's very musical. And. Steven Tyler told me the same thing. He says, I like you because you sing in pitch. You're always in key. Yeah. And he liked that. You, and I appreciate, well, I wouldn't have no business being a singer if I wasn't in key. You know who else sings in key? Steven Tyler. Steven Tyler has amazing, amazing pitch. And, and it gets so, he can sing so far, so high. And he's perfectly in tune. He's, he's incredible. Still to this day, he's like better than ever. Yep. Uh, Got to tell you, Steven is, Unbelievable. This is one of the greatest of all time. And I'm glad he's still here with us. If I could be so bold, I could say the top three in-key singers that I've ever been had the amazing sort of thrill to jam with, because you and I have jammed together, is Steven Tyler, Robin Zander, and Michael Monroe. Yes. All perfect, oh. perfect pitch. Thank you. 
Thank you. you. What a great, great team, to great group to group of singers to be in. What an honor. Thank you. There you go. Well, hey, folks, we are here with my day. (laughs) You made my Christmas. (laughs) Come on, baby. Here we are at the Christmas special, folks. And now it is time. We can actually run this. We are here. here. I'm your host, Ryan Roxy. We have Michael Monroe here. Again, if you're listening to us on the audio formats, we thank you for that. But you know what? Get your way on over to Ryan Roxy Official. Hit that subscribe button and uh, listen to our second half right now that we're going to go. I I don't know how much time you have, Michael, but I, I do want the people I to speak. I have all the time you want. All right, so here we go. This is our segment called Let the People Speak. This is where the people... Vic never knows when I'm going to shut up, which I never do. I, I, I kind of just keep talking and stuff. But this is Let the People Speak. And, of course, Michael, you've done your nails black for us. Thank you very much. It looks great. Well, I, I have my... I, I just touched something. I think that I think that screwed up the camera or something. Hey, Don't worry. Wait. It looks great. Uh, Are you okay? It looks great. Yeah, you look fine. I can only see me now. Okay, I, I can, can only see me. Okay, but but don't worry, I, we All can right, see cool. you. Everything's fine. Right now, let me tell you something about my nails. May I say something about my nails? Yes. These glow in the dark. They glow in the dark. <laughs> it's very festive. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of like my, like your watch. You know, they they do glow in the dark. And I have I got them from this uh, this uh, uh, fan in Japan called Yunko. Uh, she oh, sent Yunko. them to me. Nice. That's, yeah, Yunko's yeah, great. Yeah, please send me more of those. I sent her some yens in the, in the envelope, and I says, please send me more of these. I love them. And she's being, she said, oh, she's a hairdresser. She gets them really cheaply. I don't have to pay. And she sent me these uh, stars, and they glow in the dark. The only thing is, I only me and my wife see them when, when I wake up <laughs> at night. <laughs> well, now we now the whole world sees them, man. I, I really appreciate you showing us and, and uh, your Christmas stars. Those are your Christmas yeah. stars, if you will. Christmas, my Christmas is all the time because uh, I, I wear this all the time. Well, <laughs> let's get to let the people speak. Our first question right out of the gate is a real good one because it comes from O at Momizunig Rock. Please tell us the story of the song Fight Back Blues and how the song was born because that's a new song that yes. you have. Gladly. My uh, uh, my good friend, Pekka Husalo, Pekka Huusalo, who's a, he, he was a free skier uh, and he was on his way to become one of the best in the world. And he had a serious accident and he, he lost his, he was almost paralyzed for life. He, the doctor said he'll never, he'd hardly ever walk or talk or maybe in, it would take him at least two years until he could possibly walk. And he worked himself back to life for like in six months, he could walk and talk and, and he's an incredible inspiration for that and he they uh, he's founded they uh, they his closed circle founded this uh, fight back uh, organization that helps other people with brain injury and helps him to also in his re- rehabilitation but he's an incredibly positive person and he never says anything bad about anybody he's always uh, and and uh, always just uh He's just he never complains, and, and he's such a sweet guy. He's a very good friend of mine now. He lives in the city of Turku, where I live in, and he's given people in Finland so much hope and uh, so much inspiration uh, that uh, I want to give him something back. And I wrote him this song, the Fight Back Blues. He also has an annual Fight Back Run that happens once a year on uh, September 5th in Turku, where they run, a, run around the 
they, they do it, you know, a few kilometers around it, along the river. And uh, I was at the event. I've been there many, many years uh, running with him. And uh, this year, because of the corona uh, that last uh, September, the the event usually there's more than more than uh, there's like a thousand or more than a thousand people there. But this year there were only about twenty people, twenty or thirty people, because because the corona was it was held yeah. in a smaller circle. But I br brought my guitar, and uh, usually there's some performers there too. So this time I said, you know, I could, I um, I could play something. Uh, and uh, Pekka turned; it was his thirtieth birthday on September second. So I I brought my acoustic guitar and my harmonica and I played in the song. I, I wrote him. I finished that song. I I had it on the back burner for over a year and uh, wanted to write him song uh, this song Fight Back Blues, and I I played in the song acoustically and he loved it and uh, he loved it so much that I thought I should record it for real, and uh, all the and you know make a record of it and and all the proceeds from it would go to the fight back organization, you know, to help support the fight back organization. So uh, there's a studio called VR Studios in, in, in Turku, in the city of Turku, where I live here in Finland. Yep. And uh, there's a guy called Jussi Wola, who's a drummer in a band called Grammars. And I called uh, Jussi, I've, I've worked in that studio many a time. So I, I called Jussi, I said, would you like to do this? If I, you know, I've got this uh, rocker, uh, you know, song a uh, little over two minutes that, would you be up for recording it and playing the drums on it? He says, yeah, for sure. And everybody loves Pekka. So we all did this for free for, you know, as, as charity. Then I put the song down, played the guitars on it, did the harp and the vocal and the drums, and I did a guide bass, and I called Sammy Alpha. I said, Sammy, would you like to play bass on this? And Sammy, of course, he's a sweetheart. He, he joined in, so he played the bass on it. And then I asked Petri Mayuri, who's mixed, mixed the best mixer in the world to me. He's mixed all my records over the last 18 years, right. including, you know, the Michael Monroe records and, uh, and the Rebirth of Hanoi and all that. And he, uh, he, he came in and he mixed the song. And then we had this guy, Svante Forsback, who's uh, the, best, uh, the best mastering guy here. He mastered the album, I mean, I mean the, the song. And uh, then I had uh, Jake Hannula, uh, who's, a, who's, who's my booking agent in, uh, at Warner Live. He has a record label with this guy Gabi Hakanen called Ballila Music House, who released records and and uh, they came in and they they decided to release the song. Plus, they have a video maker called Elias Nunanen who makes videos for them. And there's this band called Hollow Helsinki is really big and one of the biggest bands here. They mm -hmm. makes videos for them and they released their record. So he came in. He offered to do the video. So I said, yeah, let's make the video. At the at the VR studios where we recorded it and uh, have Pekka be part of the video, and so we made the video for it. Which and the single and the video were released on, uh, uh, on November twenty seventh, and all the all the money, all the proceeds from from watching the video and uh, and listening to the song from that link, uh, they go to the Fightback organization, you know, uh, as as charity to help uh, Pekka and to help others with brain injury. Well, there so it is. We have to we have to definitely put up that link again for the video of Fight Back Blues. If you go check it out, all the links will be there that you can donate. And any proceeds, all proceeds, go towards uh, Pekka's uh, Fight Back uh, organization. And I, I, yes. I know I know that Sam Yaffa is really good on bass, but if you if you ever yeah. wanted a sexy bass player, a sexy sexy bass, you know who to call. He's the best. All right. Now that he's the best. Now that Lemmy's gone. 
Sammy is the best. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But if you want sex, if you want sexy, you know to call. If you want sexy. All right. If so, you want sex, if you want saxophone, then you call me. Of course. Always. <laughs> always. Let's move on to let the people speak. And you know what? We're going to yeah. try to make it. But that's yeah, a great. That, I, can't see you. I can't see you now. Oh, you I can't. can't. Okay. Well, I, don't don't, I, I just don't want to lose you because don't worry about it because you look great. Okay. Your nails look great. Um, everyone can everyone can see you. That's in the chat. If you you know, I know that okay. our, our producer Vic has everything under control in that respect. So don't worry that okay, you can't cool. speak. We're still you know we're dealing with challenging Wi-Fi. We have Finnish Wi-Fi. We have Swedish Wi-Fi broadcasting all over the world, and now we have snow, of course. But our second question of let the people speak is from at anasku.sofia. and I think this is a very cool question. How is the documentary movie coming along? When is it coming out? Now, is there any truth to this? Tell us the story. Yeah, documentary of me, you mean, of Michael Monroe? Yes. Yeah, yeah, there's a, it was, uh, there, was, uh, some, there was somebody who started making it uh, some years ago, but it wasn't working out with the, with the person. So I'm now making it, someone, someone else started to make it and they really know their business. So we, we, We've been working on it. We started on it uh, at the end of the summer, and uh, it's going to be a really good movie. But it's we're going to take our time with it. It's going to be pr probably uh, we're aiming at releasing it when I turn in a couple of years when I turn sixty right. in twenty two right. twenty twenty two. Just so don't make it as long as Chinese democracy. All right? In, in, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, the idea is that it's it's not going to be like a list of things i've done it's going to be more like a you know there was a movie about diego maradona you know the football player and senna the formula driver they were great movies and they they that's the idea for this movie it's going to be you know it's a great story and you can only tell it once so we're planning to uh make it a you know it's it's going to be this the the director has a great vision so uh uh, I'm gonna, you know, we're not gonna rush it. We're not gonna pass <laughs> Chinese democracy. Forget it. We're not gonna take that long, for, for sure. I mean, <laughs> could anything take latest, that long? <laughs> at the at the latest uh, in uh, 2022, when yeah. uh, could be a good celebration when I'm gonna turn 60 because I'm 58 now. Am I? Yeah, yeah. 58. So, so let me ask you, Michael. <laughs> do Do you ever wonder who would play you in a movie? If you had an actor that could play you in a movie, do you do you? Well, I I think all the Usually when there's a movie and somebody acts somebody, it's kind of corny, you know. I, I'd rather, I, I really don't, I haven't seen any movie about anybody that I admire that would be cool with someone acting the person. I, I prefer documentaries, you know, gotcha. like, like the Super Duper Alice Cooper. That was a great documentary. That was great because they, they showed stuff, the photos from the, from the past and they had people talking, but they didn't show them the way some of them, you know, they look at it, they don't look anything like they, they used to look. So I think it was not really well done. And the who the kids are all right. That is one of the greatest rock and roll movies of all time. The who kids are all right. And another one is the great rock and roll swindle, sex pistols. Sex pistols. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, the who the kids are all right. That is fantastic. That's such a great rock and roll movie. Uh, so I don't really, I don't think anybody could act me, you know, except me, <laughs> maybe me, but you know, Perfectly I think said. it's always kind of corny when someone's trying to act like, like the doors movie. That was like, yeah. Well, 
<laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. That was, I, I think it was. <laughs> no one could be Jim Morrison. Only Jim Morrison could be Jim Morrison. No, no. Well, Dennis Leary, you know the comedian Dennis Leary? Yes. He said, do we need a, do we need a movie about the doors? No, folks. I can sum it up to you in five seconds. I'm drunk. I'm nobody. I'm drunk. I'm famous. I'm drunk. I'm dead. <laughs> a, a big, a, a fat, uh, uh, d- uh, dead fat, fat dead guy in the bathtub. There's a whole movie for you. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that is the cliff but, notes of that. That was Dennis Leary, not me. Yeah, is, me. That, that, anyway. yeah, you know, do not misquote <laughs> Michael Monroe on that. That's all on Dennis Leary, and I'm sure he'll proudly take it. But that, but that sort of segues into our next question, which is from at Evita O2 and at Underwater World. It's sort of a combined question because they both ask the same thing on our Instagram, which we thank you for asking these questions. But, you know, what is your source of inspiration? Is it actually other artists or is it actually, when you say inspiration, are you inspired by things that happen in your life, certain songs, artists? What is it? Well, it's things that happen in my life, mostly, you know, the best things, like like writing a song for my friend, you know, Fight Back Blues. He had the Fight Back organization. I thought that was a great name fight back so i came up with the song fight back blues and it's also about fighting it's not only about physical rehabilitation it's also about fighting back the blues this time of year when it's the darkest and the gloomiest and and where because of corona it's even worse than before it was a perfect time for that kind of song to kind of bring light and uh cheer up people in the you know in their depression fight the depression basically i mean that's what the blues is uh so things that happened to me also, artists, my favorite artists, you know, like from Little Richard to uh, uh, Alice Cooper to uh, Steve Bader's to, uh, uh, you know, Bon Scott, uh, or my lead, or my favorite lead singers, you know, Steven Tyler, um, uh, Robin Zander, of course, and uh, my favorite bands and you know, favorite music, you know, like all kinds of music from reggae to funk to uh, the blues, uh, all kinds of music, classical even. Uh, all kinds of music inspires me, and uh, once in a while, new bands that come up. Like one of my favorites, well, it's not that new anymore, but you know the Virgin Marys. Okay. The no. English band. They had a great song called "Bang Bang Bang," and that blew me away when I heard that. I was like, "Wow, new great music is happening!" And the guy's got a great voice. Uh, the singer Ali Dickinson. He's got a great voice, and he's great guys. We even played some festivals with them, and uh, I got to know the guys, but. You know, there's new bands that inspire me. It's always great to hear somebody new come up with something great. And uh, but you know, all everything I see and hear inspires me. And uh, usually, things in life. And uh, plus, I like to collaborate with my my band, especially you know the guys in my band, Rich Jones and Sam, and Steve Conti and Sammy Alpha and. Uh, Exactly. And Carl Rogers, especially Rich Jones, has been amazing. So he's an amazing songwriter. So Steve Conte, but Rich just came through on the last album. And we've been writing more together now. And uh, but yeah, pretty much everything I hear and see. Very good, very good. And uh, the name of that good new question. band that you, the Virgin Marys, you said? Yeah, they're not that new anymore. But well. they they had there was a actually. They had the song came out. It must be like 2011 or something. Yeah, already. See, that, I think that, 10 years is fine. That that's on the new curve with yeah. us, you know, because it takes yeah, a little right? while. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Yeah. If, if it came out great. in 77, if, it if might be a little heard, bit classic. If you haven't heard that song, check out. Uh, yeah, "Bang Bang Bang" by the Virgin Marys. That's a killer song. It's a, one of the greatest songs of all of uh, of all time to me. 
that that came out in the past 10 years. <laughs> Great. But yeah. So let's let, right. let's move on to this next as question that we have again from uh, Moy Moy's No Rock Sumi Rock. Obviously, someone from Finland, I believe, because they are following your Finnish Shit. sort of. You thing. know what? I can't. I still. I oh. just couldn't hear anything. You just I'm sorry, said. you can't hear me right now. Can you um, hold on one second? I'll let the internet. Okay. Now it's better. Yep. Now I can hear you. Let the you internet catch up to us. All right. Yes. And here it okay. is. The question is basically. You'll be in a new TV show, Secret Song Suomi. I think that's a Finnish thing. You'll have to tell us about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What is that about? Yeah, it's about, it's like, uh, I think it's a French format. They, uh, uh, a friend of mine, actually the guy who's, who's directed my, uh, my documentary, he asked me, he was, uh, he works uh, at a, the, he had something to do with that show. It's just um, a show where people, uh, there's artists and actors, you know, uh, celebrities, whatever, uh, who are being surprised by a friend, uh, either uh, usually a singer who's going to sing. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm say I was the guest that was to be surprised. So I, uh, you know, I sit on a chair on the stage, and then there's a surprise performance to me by somebody from my past. Some uh, some friend of mine from the in the in the music you know in the business. music business or the uh, and uh, I was surprised by somebody they filmed it it's they're gonna show it uh, they're gonna start showing it at Christmas Eve I think or Christmas Day or something you know, around Christmas it's gonna start showing and uh, of course I cannot reveal my no. surprise who who the artist was but uh, it was a it was a you know warm hearted nice nice thing you know it was it was a nice experience i see the ads on tv now and uh, so many people they're all like crying they're like oh, oh god it's so touching and, you know and i was like i was determined not to cry and i i didn't i didn't because everybody cries on tv these days so it's so overrated it's like you know so and, I mean, and, and would mess up your eye makeup it would mess up the eye makeup michael you can't yeah, do that mess up my makeup it's not my style and it's, it's overrated it's like you know come on let's be happy and it's a well it's a finnish thing too you know finnish people are very they love the melancholia they love to revel they love to revel in the melancholy and the and the self-pity and all that and you know sometimes for a good reason but uh i'm just not that kind of guy i like to be happy and you're smile. a positive guy michael no doubt about it yeah fact, yeah. fact so or fiction I, I, I can tell you this i did not cry but i was very moved and touched and okay. i was very very happy about that yeah, it was it was a cool experience it was okay to do you know so i'm one of the guests there's, there's like there must be 20 or 30 people there or something you know the, i think there's like one episode has seven guests or something like that Oh. If I remember correctly, yeah. If they so would have, if they would have pulled off an appearance, Michael, if they would have pulled off an appearance by two of your former roommates, that like the ghosts of Stiv Vader's and the ghosts of Johnny Thunders came to visit you, now that would be TV, right? That would be something else. That you might cry at that. That that would might draw a tear. I think. <laughs> <laughs> That would blow my mind, of course. All that, right, that would probably happen in another another sphere. It's all it's all holograms <laughs> and uh, different simulations, I think, over here. So yeah, <laughs> I, I I look forward to the technical te te 
technology to get to the point where I can see ghosts from my past. Wow. Virtual reality, dude. It's coming. Don't worry. It's coming quicker than you think, man. It sure will. <laughs> let's, let's move on before we get too esoteric over here on the In the Trenches podcast yes. with our special guest, Michael Monroe, our Christmas special. Uh, actually, you know what? Maybe three days afterwards, you might have those ghosts come down as the story goes. But at Paul.Aranda asks, would you come to Argentina and give us a concert? What about Argentina? What's your uh, affiliation with South America? South America. I haven't played there enough. I love playing there. Whenever I played there, I I love it there. Uh, the people are so passionate there. And, and I have a very good friend there. Uh, this guy, Wendy, uh, who is a good friend of mine and uh, and his, his family. They're wonderful people. And uh, I played there in the 90s. I went there for a week uh and i had i played with a local band called zero and we did like i think it was two nights at a at a club in uh uh, uh and, and it, it was like uh, with a local band i took a chance you know i i went to uh it's always I, risky I, I, taking a chance with a local band right you never yeah know. and i first i look at the drummer i check out you know the meter and everything and he was it was good enough so <laughs> i was like great <laughs> but i noticed that the people i i i, I dove into the audience and they took everything. I was like, I had to really fight my way back. They, they like grabbed my jewelry and everything, oh, yeah. you know, or my shirt and everything. I was like, whoa. <laughs> uh, but they're, they're so passionate about the music. So I love Argentina. We played, uh, also we played in, uh, in Lima in Peru with, with, um, with my band a few some years ago. We haven't played there a lot, uh, uh, but it's not my choice. If I had a choice, I would play there a lot more. And I look forward to the the next opportunity to come and play there i would love to so well that that dovetails michael that dovetails into our next question yeah well that dovetails into our next question of uh coming from at renee zero five one nine eight eight what is your favorite favorite place in the world and why and i don't know if this is a question about where it's your favorite place to play or just what is your favorite place and why my favorite place is my home of course Mm. my home my wife my two cats and my house that's where I love to be the most. Love it. Love it. See? Yeah, perfect. That's my favorite. That, that, you know what? That's great. Which which also might include this next question at Jack Sparrow 12345670009. Do you like pancakes? I don't know how that question came up. Pancakes. Uh yeah, they there are different kinds of pancakes. And the one are these American or Finnish? Ooh. Are Finnish uh, pancakes are Finnish pancakes thin like Swedish pancakes? Yeah, I think yeah, thin with some ice cream and uh, and uh, some uh, 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 um, strawberry jam and ice cream. Finished pancakes, they're delicious. All right, I love them. I'm I'm thin pancakes, <laughs> I, I, not thick pancakes. I'm, I'm with you on that but, one. But uh, you know, the American pancakes are a little different. They and they have the syrup. I, I'm not crazy about the syrup. I, I like it with uh, with vanilla ice cream and some uh, some. Uh, uh, Strawberry jam and vanilla ice cream, but I can't have them too often. I had to watch my weight. <laughs> there it is. There's our exclusive from Michael Monroe on his pancakes. Thank you, Jack Sparrow, for, for that. Uh, let's move right along with a at C. Charmello, and we'll get back into the music, of course. What's your favorite part about touring? My favorite part about touring? Uh, hold on a sec. Um, my phone is running out of battery oh no okay before before uh, folks we just all we need is a um okay. 
Go 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 get yourself Michael Monroe. Get me full yeah. screen. Yeah. Get, get yourself a uh, Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Hello. I'm here. I can hear you. Michael Monroe, okay. get yourself a uh, charger if you can. Somebody in the chat uh, get Michael Monroe a charger. And uh, I'm telling you, we are too quick for the internet right now. But if Michael Monroe can get himself charged, we will keep on going because there are questions and that we are asking from Let the People Speak. The current question is, what is your favorite part about touring on the road? And uh, I don't know. I see Michael uh, definitely searching, hopefully not in vain, for a charger of some sort. You are listening. I got it. You I got it. I got it now. Okay. You're back on, it, baby. Yeah. Let the internet yeah. catch up. So and- my, my, my favorite part about touring is uh, being on stage, performing, of course. Can you hear me? Yes, perfect. That's yeah. the perfect answer. Yeah, yeah. being on stage, the performing, all the traveling and all the waiting and, and the shitty food and, uh, and sleeping on the bus, living on the bus and all that, you know, the the one and a half hour, two hours, whatever we're on stage, that that makes up for it all. That's the best time, and that's that's just something that you know. Yeah. That's what I live for. <laughs> I always lives. say that the, those those two hours on stage make up for the other twenty two hours that you spend waiting to get on stage, right? Exactly. <laughs> so here we go. That's- moving moving right on. This is rapid fire now because honestly we've talked we we've talked about uh we've talked about a lot of the important things that you wanted to to talk about which is of course the re-release of Oriental Beat which is coming up and as well yeah. as the fight back blues as well as the fight back blues that was another sort of thing favorite christmas songs i was going to add uh, my favorite christmas record i mean i played the sibelius sibelius finlandia uh, which is a great piece of work but phil Spector's christmas album is one as well and uh, and the cheap cheap christmas songs is great but uh, every christmas throughout history i've always played all my life phil Spector's christmas album and uh, of course the Lennon song is one of the greatest christmas songs ever but uh, also, the Sparks had a. By the way, I had to mention the Sparks had a Christmas song called uh, "Thank God It's Not Christmas," which is on the "Come On in My House" album, as well as the "Up Here in Heaven" song. And it's kind of big enough for the both of us. So, just wanted to slide that in there. I think I think <laughs> between the hail, the Virgin Marys, which is not, which is our new band, which is only ten years old, and the Sparks. If you go back and check out the Sparks, those are two great bands to go check out from this podcast that are recommended by Michael Monroe, our guest today. Yeah, and, and specifically, specifically the albums Kimono, My House. Kimono, My House is probably the best one. Kimono, My House and Propaganda. Those two are the best albums. And Indiscreet, that's also another great album. Uh, those uh, Kimono My House and Propaganda were produced by Muff Winwood, who was the brother of Steve Winwood. Muff Winwood actually was the guy who signed Hanoi Rocks onto CBS in, uh, in the UK when we got signed in 1984. There's a little piece of information. That is good. That's a good little nugget. I love these little nuggets. Yeah, nugget. <laughs> I, I'm going to move on to a question from at sissy underscore gins. At sissy underscore gins is which, which instrument you don't play yet and you'd like to learn? Because you do know, okay, as we've learned today from our from our podcast, you do know the saxophone, you know the harmonica, you also know the uh, nose flute as well. I think we just uncovered that. You play guitar. 
you know, as far you know, Fight Back Blues, I saw you playing the guitar in the video as well. But what instrument yeah. you don't play yet and you'd like to learn? Well, one is the trumpet. I never learned the the trumpet the way the the way you hold your mouth when you play the trumpet. You have to So Louis Anderson sort of thing, right? Louis Anderson sort That's of one thing. Louis Armstrong, sorry. What? Louis Armstrong, right? Louis Armstrong. Sashmore, yeah. <laughs> was that yeah. saxophone? No, that was trumpet, wasn't it? Yeah, it was trumpet and uh, Miles Davis. Yes, yes, Miles Davis, of course. Miles Davis. That, he had the coolest trumpets. He had the red trumpet. And he was like, I met him at, uh, he was, oh, he played on the Sun City Project. Did we talk about the Sun City Project in 1985? Little Stevens, Sun City, Artists United Against Apartheid. Yeah, you played on that? I sang backing vocals with Steve Bader's on that and with and, and he had Joe Ramone, he had the coolest all the coolest people in in in, in music that uh and uh the coolest and the biggest names. I gotta tell you, hold on. <laughs> These questions, folks. I mean Check it, this out. there's had, rapid had, fire stuff going on. Michael's reaching into his bag of tricks. What's he gonna show us? Let's see. City, but the artist United Against Apartheid, there was a there was a um I'm I'm there. In the group, the group shot. Oh, I see. You. They had so little <laughs> Steven went to South Africa, and that, this was 1985 when there was a. Uh, uh, they still had Man Mandela was in jail, and uh, apartheid was uh, at, at its worst. And uh, he had uh, there was a, a, a vacation spot called Sun City, and a lot of bands went and played there, and they they got paid like millions, like ridiculous sums of money. And and when Steven went there, the local people told him tell. The Western bands not to come and play Sun City because when you go and play there, they supported the racist government. So then uh, Stephen wrote this song, uh, "I ain't gonna play Sun City. I don't care what you pay. You know, I ain't gonna play." And he he had all these people from like they had they had Bono, Bob Geldof, Bob Dylan, uh, Peter Gabriel, Daryl Hall, uh, uh, Stanley Jordan, um, Eddie Kendrick, Ringo Starr, Zach Starkey, Pete Townsend, uh, Keith Richards, Ronnie Wood. Uh, uh, Bruce Springsteen, of course, Run DMC, uh, Scorpio, David Ruffin, Bonnie Raitt, Jordan Ramone, Lou Reed, uh, uh, Daryl Hall, John Oates, uh, uh, Grandmaster Melly Mel, uh, uh, Darlene Love, Eddie Kendrick, Lorna uh, Hendricks, Herbie Hancock, uh, did I say Bob Geldof? Yeah, Peter. Michael Peter Monroe. Say Michael Monroe. Uh, Michael Monroe and Steve Baders and Joe Ramone and Miles Davis played the, sac uh, the trumpet on it. Bono, Jackson Brown, uh, Bob Dylan, Clarence Clemens, Jimmy Cliff, George Clinton, Pat Benatar, and all these people, Steve Bader and me. It's amazing in the backing vocals. And we were, that was the reason I decided to move to New York City. I was part of this, and it was such an honor. I mean, the, the video came out at a perfect time. You should check it out. They also have a, there's a making of Sun City, which, is, which includes the video and has the whole story. It's like a, it was on MTV, a little short film made by, made by Hart Perry. You should check it out because uh, um, it was a really significant thing at the time. I remember. And after that, no no bands could go and play there in Sun City after that with a clear conscience because it was, yeah. you know, after this song made it, made people aware that, you know. The whole tagline was, ain't going to play Sun City, right? I ain't, yeah. I ain't going to play Sun City. I don't care what you pay. I ain't going to play. We're rockers and rappers, united and strong. We're here to talk about South Africa. We don't like what's going on. Uh, and they realize there's only one thing got to do. We got to say, ah, ah, ain't gonna play Sun City. 
it was oh. a great honor to be part of that. And then Stephen flew me and Steve Bader's over to do the video. We shot the video at the there's a group shot in uh, at the Washington Square Park, and that was Bruce Springsteen, Bono, everybody were there, and uh, and Run DMC and all these people, and uh, there was almost a riot because the word got out. Uh, the cops <laughs> were told that Steven Steven is shooting a video. They thought it was just his solo song, but it was actually all these big names there. And the next day we had. Uh, there was a, another demonstration in the midtown and, and uh, Stephen had a speech. Jesse Jackson came in. Jesse Jackson came and prayed with all of us. Bono had been staying up all night with Ronnie Wood and Keith Richards and they wrote that song Silver and Gold. So he came wow. and was like, he been up all night. He came and was like, wow, we wrote a new song called Silver and Gold. And uh, then um, the, the, the first viewing of the video was not on MTV. It was at the United Nations building. Little Stephen had a speech. And, and all the artists were there. I was there with Joe Ramone, me and Steve, and, uh, and all these people. And it was, it was such a great honor to be part of this. And that, that's when I realized, this is what I want to do. I want to write songs that mean something. And, and like, you know, as I was inspired by this change Voice of America album and Steve Bader's, you know, Lords of New Church and all that, you know, writing the truth, you know, having writing songs that mean something and yeah. telling truths and, and you know raising questions and without being too political still making statements and yeah. you know then i felt like i had a reason to be on stage and i had something to say and that's when i decided to move to new york city i started my career over because well, london was kind of sad after razzle had died and all that so ultimately I, I think about it mike yeah think about it mike ultimately you know with songs like that and obviously a lot of south africans fellow south africans that wanted to see abolish apartheid as well you created and started that movement for change and change in history did happen. That's a, that's really cool yes, story. Exactly. And I still have the plaque we had. Uh, I mean, Jesse Jackson came to, he shook my hand twice. Steve, I didn't even know who it was. Steve said, you know who that is? He could have been the president, but he didn't want it because he thought he was going to be assassinated. But I have this plaque from the United Nations. They had they, uh, the, the band, the band was called artists United against apartheid, which included, Miles Davis and Keith Richards and all these people, Pete, Pete Townsend and Bob Dylan, you know. So I was so happy to be part of it. I still have the plaque. I have it framed on my wall. It says, thank you to the artists you run against apartheid for a significant contribution for eliminating apartheid from South Africa. Uh, it was from the United Nations. And that's uh, as I have it framed as a, in a place of honor on my wall. So, yes, exactly. That's music can change things. With music, you can accomplish things. You know that politicians will never do anything except look after their own interests because they're, you know, they're at the wrong motivation. But that's what you just said is true. With music, you can really change things and make things happen. And you're part of it, man. That's very cool. That dovetails a little bit into this next uh, question that we have because it, it does involve one of the guys you mentioned that was on that Sun City album. Uh, it comes from at elves underscore and nights and and underscore nights. How was it meeting and playing with Joey Ramone? Because you had a you had a friendship. Because all these classic artists, all these names that, that we look as as iconic artists, you kind of mentioned mention them in a sentence like oh yeah that was my roommate oh yeah that was my band guy oh yeah i did a video with him so what was it like working and playing with joey ramon joey was a sweetheart he was a real sweetheart is is a very warm-hearted and, and caring person and he was it was always so cool he we we used to see each other a lot and uh, he lived on near 13th street at, there was a place called telephone bar and grill on Second Avenue between 10th and 11th Street, so he was his local place too. And uh, he would always, you know, he'd come up to me and say, you know, you know, Mike, we're doing this 
doing this benefit, you know, if you want to be part of it, you know, you want to do some, you know, a couple of songs or something. And it was always so, so cool and soft spoken. And I saw him a lot. He was a, he was a good friend, a dear friend of mine. And uh, he, I was part of Joey's um, side project called Resistance. He had a band called Resistance, nice. with uh, which included, um, they were like, I think it was about seven people. There was uh, uh, the bass player from Dictators, what's his name, uh, Andy Chernoff. And uh, yes. there was another girl singer as well, and and Joey and Joey wanted to do. I played the saxophone in it, and, and uh, he we did actually. There's a video we we shot a video recorded. Uh, John Lennon's "Give Me Some Truth," which uh, yeah, Joey had some rewritten some of the lyrics. Yeah, he had some, and he, he updated the lyrics. It was, it was for Bill Clinton's campaign at the time, you know. Uh, and we did this video at CBGB's in one afternoon. We shot the video for it and did the song for for Bill Clinton's campaign. But it was for some some uh, some some uh, uh, cable TV channel in like in Jersey or Brooklyn or somewhere. I don't know where it was shown. I never saw it, and I I still don't know who has it, where it is. I never seen it after, since then. I, it's got to be on YouTube that. somewhere. Someone has to have it in the chat on YouTube. If you can find this. This, uh, you know, was it was it Rock and Robin's show or what was her name? Robin that was I on the New no York. Idea. It could be. I don't know what it was. We filmed it one afternoon at CBG. It was on the stage. It was the club was shut down and we did it one afternoon. And I, I played the sax. We did the song. Give me some truth with Joey and Joey and the resistance was the name of the band. But I have no idea what the show was, what, what it was for. You know, what a great Some, version of that song also, as I'm sure your guys' version is great as well. If we can find the videotape. But uh, Gen, Gen X did a great version of it as well. Billy oh, Idol. Oh, they did? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. So check, cool. you can check that out as well. Yeah. Uh, if somebody can find that video with me, with Joey's resistance doing that song. I'd be I'd be totally surprised because <laughs> I'd be looking for it all over and uh, I can't. Someone I will. I, I'd look for a while though. Maybe maybe it has shown up. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but the in the trenches chat. The, I'm telling you, the people that are in the trenches that watch this podcast religiously, they have a great way of finding stuff, and that's why we appreciate yeah, you so much. You guys uh, probably you're so good at the technology and everything. Maybe well, you can. That's the reason why we don't want you on not just three times. We want you on again a fourth time, obviously in 2021. Um, But there's a couple more questions, if you don't mind, if you have a little bit more time. Yeah. And and then we're going to, like I said, I don't want to give everything away because you know what? At this point, Michael Monroe, you are our our sort of regular guest on the In the Trenches. We love having you here and we love everybody that comes in and supports the uh, podcast and the chat as well. So there it is. She votes for Michael co-hosting going forward. (laughs) There is a question, some little question that came up from Mina.Josephina at Mina.Josephina. And I can tell she might, that might be a Finnish name. She's Michael, can you teach me to say something stupid in Finnish? Something stupid, like you mean something stupid or just know. a stupid word? What, 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 what would you, t- if you were to teach me any sort of Finnish, what, what should I learn? That's just something that... Learn you know. to say, say moi, moi, that means hi. Hello. Moi, hey, moi. Moi. All right. <laughs> I, the only moi. other word I knew before is gippies. Gippies. Gippies, okay. Gippies. Well, then you can learn one more. Kitos, that means thank you. Kitos. Kitos. Moi. Kitos. Yeah, yeah moi, moi is hi, it's M-O-I, moi. Yeah. And then thank you is Kitos. K-I-I-T-O-S. Kitos. Kitos. I like it. Kitos. 
Well, well, honestly, this will this will go great with the next uh, question from at Vilvisette. Uh, it is in Swedish or not in Swedish. I'm sorry. It is in Finnish, and I want it. It says, "Hey, you read it and you tell me what it means," because I have no idea. All I can say at this point is "moi kitos and gippies." <laughs> yeah. What? So well, now, can you see this question, or do you only see no, your face? No, I can't. I'm telling you, I can't oh, see no. anything okay. except myself. Okay. This. Well, I will try and say this. Hey, monta kisa senula on. Mita ka ovat niden nimet. Kitos et tuet ilisen kyota. Does that make any sense? And we just lost Michael. <laughs> that was me, folks, speaking Finnish. And I think Michael just said, you know what, I've had enough. Or Michael's phone said he's had enough. Hopefully he'll come back on. Vic, come on up here and uh, help me out here. And uh, everybody, this is our year-end podcast. And if it does end like this, it was perfect. You know what I'm saying? What do you say, Vic? Uh, Merry Christmas. Hello. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Wow. Amen. You had a tough connection there. Well, we've, we, I, uh, we've been wrestling. We've been wrestling with that. Uh, we've been wrestling with the uh, internet all afternoon and all evening. But there's Michael Monroe's back. He's back. There you are, Michael. Hey, I have to see you. There I you, can see you now. There you go. No worries. Michael Monroe is no. back, folks. Yeah. Don't worry. It'll catch up. The internet will catch up. We'll all do it. Uh, Vic, do you want to get that question back up there so Michael can read it if he can? Uh, this is the question we want you to read and you can talk about it. Okay. Uh-huh. Thank you for supporting uh, animal protection and uh, yes, for uh, charity for animals. How many cats do I have? I have two cats uh, and their names are Nupu, N-U-P-U, Nupu, and Lumi. L-U-M-I. Lumi actually means snow. Because Lumi, she, she was white, uh, completely white when she was born, but she's Siberian, oh, so she, uh, there it is. she uh, turned darker over the years. But yeah, Nupu and Lumi have two cats at the moment. I've always had cats since I was, since I was a kid. My mother had five cats. Actually, two cats who had kittens, and at one point we had like 11 cats in our house. And <laughs> I was listening to the Ted Nugent uh live gonzo in headphones one day and i was watching i saw one of the cats was on top of the speaker and it was looking like it was going to jump on the record on the turntable i was like no he, she won't but she did jump on the record i was like <laughs> right during cat scratch fever right it had to have been and it was not yeah as this guy was going to say it was not it, it was uh it was a side with uh uh, with the two songs, with like uh, long uh, the white, great white buffalo and, uh, and the other uh, stranglehold, yeah, <laughs> stranglehold. I was yeah, gonna say, <laughs> it, it wasn't, wasn't on that, that album though, yeah. Michael. Yeah. We are having a motorhead <laughs> moment where I'm tuned down a half step. You're tuned in E, but you know what? We, we you make it work. You should stop tuning down, man. That's, 
I don't have perfect pitch like you. I don't got the pipes of Michael Monroe. I sing because I I sing. I say I'm a singer by default. You're a singer because, you know, God or whatever shine down upon you. He said, you, Michael Monroe, will be the entertainer that does the splits, that writes great songs, that is the ultimate entertainer. There you go. That's that's what that's your job. I just I I like to play guitar. Nowadays. I, I do I do the splits, but I don't smoke the spliff anymore. I like it. I like it. <laughs> anyway, but yeah. So um, yeah, because uh, of my lungs, you know, mm-hmm. not because of my head. <laughs> well, here you go. This this is a good question then to go into that because at Kathy Grant seven one six five three. She asked, yeah. and she's a longtime listener, big supporter of the podcast. At Kathy Grant asked, how many hours do you sleep a night, if at all? <laughs> Uh oh. If at all? <laughs> <laughs> Good questions. Well, it depends on the night. It depends on the night. How many nights? I mean, I keep waking up for most nights. I wake up every couple of hours. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not a deep sleeper. I keep, I wake up, you know, and, uh, and then I'm awake for a while. And then I go back to sleep. And, uh, you know, I keep waking up every couple of hours. But uh, I never, you know, maybe, I don't know, five to seven hours, maybe. Something like that. It wow. depends on a knife. I don't, I, I, don't, I can't count because I'm asleep. Can't remember. But you don't have long periods of sleep, and I and we're similar no. like that. We're similar like yeah, that. I, 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 I tend to wake up every I couple could. hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I sleep. Uh, yeah, I don't sleep that much, and I, I, you know, I, I do. Especially if I have to get up early, I'm going like, okay, the, the alarm clock's gonna, it's gonna go off. I have to get up like six or something, you know. I keep thinking like, okay, I'm going to have to get up soon. So I'm like nervous and I can't sleep. And then when I know I have nothing to do the next day, I sleep much better. Uh, I guess I kind of stress out about what I have to do and stuff. But uh, then sometimes when I, because of traveling or whatever, if I, if I, if I'm staying at a hotel or I don't sleep well at hotels either, I sleep much better at home, you know, in my own bed, of course. But when I get back home after not having much sleep, there's some nights, like maybe only a couple, maybe two, three, Three or four hours, you know, at the most. Uh, Have you ever had lucid dreaming? Like, Have you ever? Nights can go like that, and then when I get home, then sometimes I sleep like five solid hours, and I'm All like, right. yeah. <laughs> Have you ever participated? Like, if you ever sort of dwelt, uh, dove into lucid dreaming, where you can feel yourself awake inside your dream and sort of make. Things oh happen? yeah, that was that was the whole. Oh, you want to go there? Yeah, let's uh, go there. I want to go there. Sub, okay. Subconscious awareness was what Steve Bader's came up with the best excuse for doing speed back in the day. In 1980, when we lived together, he came, he said, one day he just said, Michael, write this down. I said, yeah. Okay. Speeding is subconscious awareness. And while our, our conscious state is asleep, we then acknowledge and realize our subconsciousness, which reveals to us things that we shelter from ourselves in our self-conscious cocoon when we're in a wake state. So in other words, when you stay up long enough, your dream state takes over, even though artificially, but we would stay up and I would have revelations. I would like, wow, I would talk with, but then you gotta have a friend like Steve, you know, we could totally be open and not have to keep, not, not keep, have to, you know, have any kind of, you know, wall between, you gotta be totally open. And with me and Steve, we're completely open because we're such close friends and, and, uh, I would be, I would talk a lot and say, you know, oh, what did I just say? And Steve said, oh, you said just this and this and this. And I was, wow. I mean, I never, 
I mean, I knew that, but I never realized it. I would have these epiphanies and these revelations. And was, so, so we had like the best excuse for doing speed was that we were up for nights and nights. And we were like, yes, it's subconscious awareness. Subconscious. So we would learn to, it's like soul searching. You were growing. Yes. You were searching for your, yeah, I got it. You're searching. Yeah. And I, I tell you, I stayed up even before that when I was really heavily into that shit was like in Stockholm in 1982 uh, during the month of uh, August. I slept in, on two occasions during the whole month. Wow. No lying. That, that was during slept, that was whole. Like three, that was during that whole time of that you were recording. That you said "Dead by Christmas" and you, you were recording. Now, you know, yeah, Dead, Dead by Christmas. But that, no, that was we took a holiday. We took, took a, the first holiday. We had first we had a month break. That's when uh, actually Sammy and Andy went to to London, and uh, they were bringing. They, when they came back, they brought Razzle with them, and Razzle joined the band. But we had a whole month with nothing, with whole whole holiday. So I had my, I had a holiday in the city, like Johnny Thunderson. Have a holiday in the city. I had my holiday in the city, you know, buzzing. And I, when I did sleep, I slept probably three days and nights in a, you know, straight. But when I crashed out two two times in a whole month, wow. not lying. Oh. And uh, I would not recommend it to anybody. Don't try that at home. <laughs> Do not try that at home. But I honestly, this but, leads. You know, I'm surprised. But yeah, ahead, it I'm leads lucky us, I'm alive, you know. I understand. This this leads us into sort of one of our, our our last questions from Let the People Speak, which is kind of fitting for this because it's at Henry underscore Danny Luke and XX Bloody underscore Nightmares underscore XX. They ask, what do you, you know, do you have some favorite members of favorite memories of being in Hanoi Rocks? And I'm not sure if this would qualify as one of a favorite memory. It's definitely a memory. And it's definitely something you went through, but do you have some some memories of uh, you know that you look po- look back upon pretty fondly with Hanoi? Well, there were always the greatest times, the, the good times. We were so young and we were learning. And uh, oh, mind you, just to add to the sleeping thing, I know I don't like taking anything to help me sleep. I always thought that then you start taking sleeping pills, then you can't sleep without them. Then so you're Judy Garland. Then you're yeah. up and down, up and down. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, that. so a vicious circle. Anyway, pick a lane. My favorite memories of Hanoi Rocks was us being really being like a like a like a gang. You know, we were like a family, and us against the world. And you know, when Russell was alive and the band was at its best, like 1983, 84, yeah. before Russell died, it was uh, well that summer '83. That's when really we were really, and then when Bob Essen came to produce us, we were that was that was a great time in the studio. Even though I was going through all kinds of things and uh, I was very uh, anorexic at one point, you could say I was un- under 50 kilos. I was really skinny. Wow. When I stopped, I stopped doing all the speed and all the smoking, and I just went totally straight. And I realized that I, it's physical. My, you know, singing is physical and performing. And the the better shape you're in, the better you do it. So I stopped everything and I started swimming and exercising. I wasn't eating enough to balance that. I didn't know how to do that. So I was like, I lost, I was skinny as hell. I was skinnier than anybody, skinnier than Andy. Yeah. But I was exercising. I, I was just eating some salads and yogurt and whatever. And I woke up, I went swimming for a couple of hours. And then I had a little muesli or something, some cereal. Then I had nothing except later on, I had like a salad for dinner. And I drank, drank a lot of water. And I did like a liquid diet without realizing it. And so I got real skinny. People said, what are you on? What are you doing? He's feeding him. I said, I'm, not, I'm, I'm healthier than ever. You know? <laughs> so I got real skinny. And, uh, I'm not and doing mind going, expansion. I'm not trying to do more soul searching. I'm <laughs> working on my no, body. No, no. 
Yeah, it was in 1984. And I, I, my, uh, our tour manager at the time, he showed me this great exercise routine that I could do with straight leg kicks and, uh, and uh, stamina exercises and stuff that I could do in a hotel room in a small space. You know? So I was doing all this. And then on tour, going on, you know, when, whenever there's a swimming pool at the hotel, I would go swimming in the morning, do my exercise, do a show at night. I would just, you know, within two weeks, I'd be like walking through brick walls when, while the rest of the guys were like, <laughs> you know, up all night drinking a party. They were, they were getting worse and worse. And they're like, what are you so happy about? You're not supposed to smile in the mornings. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but let me ask so, you this. Uh, That's important because that, that, that thing that you talked about with the in the in, doing the workout routine in one room, I think that would be very helpful for people right now, especially in COVID times, because there is, you know, I hate to say COVID. It's the C word, folks. I know that everybody here, I call it the C word, not allowed to mention it in here. But you know what? I'll say it. During co- these times, you should be able to find a place where you can work out in, in by yourself in a room. Have you ever thought about doing sort of a Michael Monroe physical, you know, you know, physical workout type of video? Me? Yeah. You look at your, you're, you're, you're in perfect shape, man. Not me. I'm not, I'm not the guy to do that kind of stuff. All right. All right. I think. Uh, didn't, didn't Paul Stanley do something like that? Uh, uh, like well, then then forget <laughs> it. I won't ask. All right. Stick to, yeah, stick to I mean, the nose know, it's, flute. It's, it's, stick to the signature nose flute. I don't, I don't like to go to... Sorry. I don't like to go to gyms. You know, I, I never go to work out in a gym. Yeah. I don't like to be around sweaty people and uh, manly men, you know. That's what I'm saying. That. The thing that your the thing that your your tour managers taught you in your room with kicks, you know, to do it by yourself in a sort of isolated area. Could you ever yeah. share that? If, if you can't yeah, share it with the like, rest of the world, please share it with me because that's what I like to I, I like to work out by myself in a, in a in a hotel room anyway, you know? Yeah. Well, you you could do like, you know, you got to warm up and stretch and stuff. And then you do it. I do a series of straight leg kicks and then I'll do like uh, as fast as you could. I, I do these five things. It was like, you know, 20 uh, sit ups on my back and then 20 push ups and then. Do a burpees, you know, we threw feet back in there, so jump in the air, 20 of those. And then squats and kicks, 20, uh, 10 each side. And then in the end, I do like squats each side, uh, uh, 10 each side, like, you know, from one side to another. Do that as fast as I could, as fast as I could. And I was like, my record, I think it was, uh, it was under, it was like a little over two minutes, my record. I did really fast. And uh, that's kind of like walk, running around the block. You know, you, again, you, you uh, know what you could call it, Michael? Eight. Michael, hold on. You could call it the Michael Monroe Speed Workout, but I'm not sure if the marketing <laughs> would work good for that. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what does he mean, Someone speed could, workout? Say, no, I mean um, fast. Some, well, some smart ass would say, yeah, just do a line of speed and you'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> I would not say that. I would not say that. But, you know, the COVID, COVID whatever, you know, I, you know, keep our distance. You can do a lot of stuff at home, you know, push-ups and workout and uh, – I do nowadays. I mean, having been, you know, 58 in the meter. I'm I'm 58, so I can't can't do. It's not really pers. Um, uh, it doesn't serve a purpose to do too many straining things. You know, I got my. I had my. Uh, I started when, because of the COVID. I started doing more exercise because I wasn't. You know, because we didn't Going playing out. gigs. Performing yeah. is yeah. the best exercise. My favorite exercise. You have yeah. the motivation. You got to show. You go for it, and you do it incredible things that you feel like you're a superman you know you feel it afterwards but you know but i started doing i started doubling up on my exercise doing twice as many squats and kicks and stuff and then my knees got sore so it's not 
at this this point, you know, it's 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 not necessarily good to go too over the top. You know, it's also good to not keep it moderation. This age, um, you know, sometimes less is more in that sense. Uh, moderation you know, is key. Yes, I think. Yeah, moderation is key. It is key. I hate to admit it, but it is. <laughs> no, I know, I know. Because as a rock and roller growing up in your 20s, you want to go, oh, 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 push it, push it. How far can I push it? How long can I stay up? How, you know, yeah. what, what's going to drive me to get over to the top? Because that's what my heroes did. They went all the way over the top, and unless they didn't pass away, they, they created great genius stuff. But then you realize later on down the road that you can, if you can be moderate, you can still create and still be, you know, inspiring yeah and that's what you are it doesn't serve a purpose anymore after after a certain point of uh you know at a certain age it doesn't serve a purpose anymore to push it to the limit uh it's it's better not to push it to the limit after a certain point and uh and besides yeah surely you can live longer <laughs> as it well it reminds me of the last chapter of a Clockwork Orange, because I'm not sure if you've read the book because you've seen the movie. See, if you if, 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 if you if you read the, the book, the last chapter is completely different than the movie because the last chapter yeah. kind of gives it away. The last chapter is exactly what this kind of shit we're talking about right now is like you just you get to a certain point in your life and you realize that maybe moderation isn't such a bad thing. But it's not what you want yeah. to hear. It's not what you want to hear when you're up and coming and you're trying to go for it all. I guarantee you that. Yeah, yeah. But you have to see it yourself. You can't really, you hardly listen to anyone else telling you that, you know, at that point. But I mean, I heard that people are running the marathon. They don't live that long, apparently, because they're pushing too hard. Uh -huh. They're not necessarily the ones who, it's not really necessarily good to run a marathon because uh, I guess it's uh, too hard for the system. For some people, I've heard that, but yeah. you have to find your own path and your own, you know, that's why I wouldn't, I wouldn't do an exercise video. I wouldn't be someone to give anybody advice you know because you know i know what works for me so find your own thing and see what works best for you and then do that and that i think that's the best advice honestly michael that's the i think that's the you just leading by example you continuing to create music you continuing to perform you continuing to just be you know inspiring being michael monroe i think that's enough to 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 for people to look at as an example and that's leads me to my last question of let the people speak because honestly folks you've been so amazing the entire episode thank you for being part of our christmas special mr michael monroe thank you everybody that's well, yes. in the chat it's been thank you everybody for questions it's been great that people i'm so happy that people can get to ask questions it's a great idea and at, at kinga at underscore kinga anna underscore anna says is there any musician or band that you would like to work with but you haven't had a chance yet because being as inspirational as you are, as work-driven as you are, is there any musicians or bands that you'd still like to work with you haven't had a chance yet? <laughs> the Rolling Stones. Ah, there it is. Why not? You, see, you get a smile on your face when you say that, but why not? You haven't worked with the Rolling Stones yet. Okay. No, no. That's just the first thing that comes to mind. But, you know, That's it. Uh, there's people I... A lot of people are dead that I'd like to work with, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, well, I mean, Alice Cooper. We've 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 done stuff with Alice live, but I've never recorded with Alice. That would be amazing, and and uh, you know, and Cheap Trick was something. Uh, you know, I I jammed with them live on stage, but uh, haven't recorded anything. Yeah. So that would be a huge honor, and uh, yeah. 
Dude, you, you're, you're naming the same guys that I would name. You know, luckily I, I get to play with Alice Cooper on a nightly basis. But yeah, yeah and she, Aerosmith, Steven Tyler, Aerosmith. I mean, I jammed with them. I played the saxophone with uh, uh, Aerosmith on uh, uh, 1991, 1991 at, uh, at Les Paul's 75th birthday at the Hardwick Cafe. Uh, Steven asked me to play the sax solo on Big Ten Inch Record. I have that on video even. <laughs> I think but we I showed it at one and one of these uh, one of these uh, your appearances. I think we had that on, and I, we we talked a little bit about it. I, re, I remember. Yeah, that. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, so, but I still haven't uh, done anything in a studio with them. So that's another, you know, Stephen or Aerosmith. That'd be cool. But uh, Alice, you know, Alice, well, you know what? Uh, I don't know if I told you that when we made the Suicide uh, from the Move album with uh, Hanoi Rocks and Bob Ezrin was producing, we tried to get. Alice, Bob, Bob was trying to get Alice to get into the studio. We were, we were supposed to record because we were playing Under My Wheels live with Hanoi. So Bob suggested to Alice that he would come and we'd re-record that song with Alice. But Alice couldn't make it at the time. So that never happened. But then uh, some years later, Guns N' Roses did a version with Alice on that. So at least somebody did it. So I was happy about and that. It's, and it's like, would you say, two steps from the move? Uh, six degrees of separation because your association with Guns N' Roses and then, you know, everything sort of intertwines it. And of course, yeah. you've come up with us and done such a stellar killer version of Under My Wheels as well as Schools Out many, many times on stage. And I'm looking forward to like 2021, us getting back out there and doing it again. But you know, yes, yes, please. <laughs> well, folks, Honestly, I couldn't think of a better way to wrap up our 2020 sort of podcast year within the trenches than having our guest, Michael Monroe, today. Um, obviously, I, I, I'm saying it right here, right now. I'd love to have you on again sometime in 2021 if you'd like to come out. And for all of those of you that have been watching and listening the entire podcast, Michael, can you tell people where they can get in touch with you to find out more about you or just, you know, keep in touch with you until the next time? If you want to say those uh, well, clips right I there. I guess Michael Monroe official uh, at the, uh, as that's the Instagram and, uh, also, my I post stuff on the Facebook, but uh, you know, usually, and in the Instagram also, Michael Monroe official, I guess. I don't know. You know better, Brian. <laughs> well, help me. Here we go. It's at, at, on on Twitter. It's at Michael Monroe. If you're going on to Facebook, it's Facebook.com/slash Michael Monroe. And of course, you can always go to at Hanoi underscore Rocks underscore official as well. Those four. Links. I don't know about the Hanoi Rocks. Yeah. Okay. I don't know about much about the Michael Monroe official is my. Instagram, I guess, and then okay. Michael Monroe Facebook, uh, www.michaelmonroe.com. Uh, Through that, you get to the Facebook, I think, and uh, I will. Uh, I I post stuff there, and then it goes automatically to the Twitter, and and then we post stuff on the Instagram. But I'm really not that good with the internet, so I apologize for that. And I try to, you know, you kind of had to look for me. I'm <laughs> maybe not that easy to find. But then again, you I'm one what? of the best kept secrets in rock and roll still. So. Uh, <laughs> All, all, all excellent things are as, as difficult as they are rare. Am I right? That is very true, Michael. And you are, you know what? You are, <laughs> our, you are our special weapon. You are our secret weapon. You are our uh, very special guest always on In the Trenches podcast, if you will. Thank uh, you so much. And I, I think it's a great privilege and honor to be here. And uh, thanks to Dick and Dave the Rat and Federica and, <laughs> and every, everybody involved here. And thank you, Ryan. Thank, thank you for having me. And of course, Federica, who's been 
been putting out all these great ads for it. And we're going to for the next couple of weeks, folks, until we have our next episode, because this is our last uh, episode of the year. And we are going to start 2021 off within the trenches. I might as well just debut it right now. Our first guest of 2021 on In the Trenches will be none other than original Alice Cooper guitarist, Michael Bruce. How about wow. that? Wow, Michael Bruce is going to be on? Yeah, it's wow. true. Yeah. Tell him I said, hey, I met him once uh, in 2000. That was, that was great. Can I say a quick hello to Kinji Suzuki and Atsuko Shima and, uh, and, uh, uh, and uh, my friend uh, Tim Sheridan uh, in L.A. And uh, Charlie and Marta and, uh, and Wendy and, uh, and uh, Mami and Kiyomi in Japan and all my fans, my friends, thank you for watching and Corinna street team in Germany everybody we love you love you all thank you for support I will always appreciate it and I'll be a huge hugely honored to be on though again Michael you are welcome anytime we are going to do we're, what we're going to do until from now until next time. We are going to put together a Kickstarter or, or some sort of crowdfunding uh, campaign to get you 5G or better internet for the next episode. I guarantee you, we will have better internet on the next appearance of uh, Michael Monroe on In the Trenches podcast. But in the meantime, go to michaelmonroe.com to check out the, obviously the newest album, One Man Gang. Plus, look forward to updates on the re-release of Oriental Beat, which is coming out. I guess the new remixes. When when should some when should we expect some sort of more news on the re-release of Hanoi Rock's Oriental Beat? Well, it'll be it'll come out uh, in the fall at the latest, if not in the spring, but probably uh, the fall of uh, 2021. Okay. That's what we're looking at because that's when it was recorded. Uh, so it'll be like exactly forty years. So that might be appropriate, you know. It will be. So it, and and I saw on on michaelmonroe.com, If Vic can put that up again, there are already live dates that you have up there right now. So is there actually a date in Tampere, Finland? Is that uh, so far so good going on at uh, January 29th? I, I, Brian, I just couldn't hear anything you said oh, because when okay. the whole picture comes up. Okay, I hope those are, are those good. are those tour dates correct? Can you tell me? Can you confirm fact or fiction? Are those tour dates correct? Uh, I can't see them. Hang on, let me let me <laughs> get bigger. Okay, G Live. Oh yeah, me and Sammy Alpha and Linda. Yeah, Linda, and, and we're playing the trio acoustic trio gigs. These are yeah, these re rescheduled. Yes. And we're supposed to open up with my own band. We're not going to be. We're not going to play with my own band with uh, with Sammy and Steve Conter and Rich Jones and uh, Carl Rockfist. We're not playing until next summer. Okay. But we're supposed to play. I don't know if Sweden Rock is going to happen or not. But uh, we're supposed to play uh, open for Guns N' Roses in London. Yes, we were supposed to open for Guns N' Roses in London two nights in London at uh, on the 18th and the 19th of June, and hopefully that won't be too soon. I hope if if COVID uh, allows. Okay. I hope that that'll happen. Uh, but, but my own band, we won't be able to play until you know next summer. But hopefully, right. it won't be too soon. Well, no. hopefully, with fingers crossed, like we were doing on the video, 
that we fingers crossed. Yes, that we that we both get out there somewhere in the middle of summer. Up until next time, there'll be plenty though of upcoming episodes of In the Trenches for you guys all to catch up on. Like I said, our first guest of 2021 will be Alice Cooper guitarist Michael Bruce. Very much looking forward to that. Yes. But you know what, Michael, have yourself an amazing Christmas, an amazing New Year, and again, we will see you in 2021 on In the Trenches, won't we? Yes, you got it. You're on. Just say the word and I'm there. Thank Every, you, my friend. You guys have been more Thank than supportive. Hang out, Michael, for a second while we wrap up here. But again, folks, yes. uh, couldn't be Thank more you. thankful. Happy Christmas Appreciate to everybody. Merry Happy Christmas. Christmas to you too. On behalf Merry of Christmas. Vic Chalfant, Robbie, Scotty, the Rats, Federica, everybody that's in the yeah. chat, myself, I'm Ryan Roxy. You've been listening to our Christmas special with Michael Monroe. This is In the Trenches. Until next time, folks, until 2021, enjoy the yeah. ride. Bye. In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello.